Hey, Sherry, are you ready? I'm ready. Hey, Sherry, how you doing? Good, Paul. How are you? I'm doing great. You hear that sound? You know what that is? I do hear that sound, and I think it's the sound of season seven. You are correct. That is the sound of season seven of This Most Unbelievable Life, the podcast. Woohoo! We've made it seven seasons with our excellent listeners at our side. We appreciate all of the support that we get, and we're looking forward to another great season. Yes, indeed. Let's get on with the show. Hmm. Good afternoon, Sherry Spiegel. Hello, Paul Fitzgerald. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, as well. I always stumble up on this. I'm doing well, too. I, I like it when you say also, well as well. I'm, I'm doing well as well, or I'm also doing well. I'm checking the, 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 the Zoom levels over here to see if uh, we're recording, and I think we are. Excellent news. So let's get to it. Let's get to it. Um, we just had a couple of weeks. <laughs> we did. <laughs> um, but you can't really say that because it's Wednesday. Yeah. So we haven't oh, goodness completed me. this current week. But yeah, we've had a couple of weeks. What's yeah. been going on? Um, we spent the last uh, two weeks doing uh, a couple of workshops. We did. A couple of workshops that we offered. Not through This Most Unbelievable Life, but with our employer, mm-hmm. a set of which to faculty and staff at our fine institution, and another batch of with to um, some of the students at our fine college. Indeed. And so that last one just ended up, what, an hour ago? Two hours ago? I don't understand time anymore, <laughs> yeah, but it yeah. seems as though it was an hour and a half ago. Yeah, it's crazy how ta- how fast hours. times go during those workshops. It's unbelievable. I'm finding this to be more and more true. Like, I... I usually get up in the morning at five o'clock and somehow five o'clock in the afternoon appears magically. And I don't like, I'm not sure why, but time has changed. How did you get here to this? Yeah. And do you like how I assume that time has changed? Not me. No, time. you're fine. Yeah, it's time. Yeah, time, time, has time has changed. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. I think that's the, the part of it that is still surprising me a little bit, which is... Man, those workshops, I mean, the faculty and staff one were two hours, and that went by yeah. in a flash. It's like, I felt like we were, okay, now, now we're getting started. We're getting into, the, into this, and this is starting to feel pretty good, and okay, I'm getting the flow of this, and we're done, you know? And it's like, and it's over. It's like, wow. After the two hours, I felt like we were just getting warmed up. Not that I like have a strong desire to offer like an eight-hour workshop or anything, <laughs> well, but I, w- I was just so into it. I think yeah. you know, it felt so good, and it felt so right, and it felt so wholesome, and it felt so like the thing that I really want to do. Yeah, um, and where I want to spend my time and energy. That it's like time didn't even exist during that workshop. It's true, and. In any of them, like any of the ones we've done, like all of a sudden time is like it's over. Um, And it's funny because I've always heard the saying like, you know, do the thing that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Right. And I've always thought that was like total hogwash. Right. Like, yeah, right. I've always thought like that was just something people said to other people to try to somehow be exploitive. Like, I'm not really exactly sure what. Yeah, like, how how the exploitation works, right? But, well, it's like 
like it's almost like well if it feels like work then it's on you like I don't know like yeah I can't explain that exactly but this sure did feel like it didn't feel like work at all any of these workshops and it's it's weird because I've always thought like teaching like I found the thing I was Mm -hmm. you know most Mm -hmm. to do in the world Um, but comparing that to like what the enormous amount of flow. I think that's what it is. Yeah. These workshops right. feel like flow to me. And I mean, even with, with teaching, I mean, I love teaching. I enjoy it. Uh, I mean, now that we're talking about this, like, do I really love it? Am I trying to convince myself that I love it? I don't think I'm second guessing that. I do enjoy the art and craft of teaching. I think I really just enjoy hanging out with the kids mm-hmm. all day, you know, and I, should, I shouldn't say all day. It's not all day. It's for an hour. And <laughs> I don't know. You're in there for like three hours. Yeah, we'll lab. Yeah, we'll lab. That's for sure. I love the experiences of teaching and all of that, but I shouldn't even but I would say and mm-hmm. uh, this was this was different. This was different. Uh, you know, offering these workshops on topics that you and I have been working through for the past year and a half, two years that really have been near and dear to our hearts, that have been at the center of decision making. Mm-hmm. I think on okay, so it's hitting the fan now that we're in this pandemic. And so what do we want to do with our time? Yeah. You know, let's do that. Right. That um, it seems like a lot of the digging that we've done together and within ourselves individually and those seeds that were planted are really starting to grow with that, with that workshop. And it's like that workshop was like the stuff that we are into. I should only speak for myself, but it's like, there are the stuff that I'm into. Mm-hmm. Um, and for what it is that I'm actually talking about, I would um, uh, invite people to listen to episode, what is it, 87 that we released last week, last right? Week. It's yeah. the, the Rain and Nonviolent Communication Workshops we offered for some of the faculty and staff. Yeah. A little bit for the students, but only yeah. some of it. Well, it's interesting because we recorded the last episode as a gear up to yeah. giving those workshops. Um, and I think what's been interesting... We talk a lot about on this podcast that this is like our invention space, right? Yeah. And I think like we have fought a bunch of stuff and talked about enough stuff together. The workshop was where I started to see see things that we both care about come together in ways that I don't think we'd seen them come together. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Yeah. So, uh yeah, but even within that, in order for us to get to that point where we're giving this workshop that feels like the right thing to be doing, it's not like we just woke up one day and we're like, ah, oh, that's it. Like, so how does a person get to that place? That place where you're doing the right thing. Because we had to choose to do certain things. We had to choose to stop doing other that's things. That's true. That's correct. Right? So um, I guess what I'm asking is like, this is a question about like, how does a human go about the discernment practice of deciding what to keep and yeah. what to give away? Yeah. You know, um, part, <laughs> part of me, I don't know if this is a kind thing to say if, if somebody's looking for instruction on this, is that if, if there's one way to do it that I know of, hmm. and if I want to offer what that process looks like, people have approximately like 115 hours of podcast to listen to right? starting at episode one, you know, starting at episode one and going through episode 87, because that's sort of what that is. You know, every yeah. step along the way, you know, we've offered some workshops along the way. We've offered, you know, we have this podcast that is obviously ongoing. Um, 
blog posts occasionally go out, but not quite as much. I should myself on blogs more than anything else. Uh, I should do that more. I tell myself, but I'll work with that. Um, but it's like everything that we've ever offered is a, is like this is a snapshot of where we are, mm-hmm. and not necessarily knowing what the outcome is going to be. Because you know, I think you know, two months ago, three months ago, these workshops were probably as much of a surprise to me as they were to anybody. Like, I wouldn't necessarily have been able to predict this as the outcome. Not that I'm not thrilled that it is yeah. an outcome of it, and this is sort of where we are today. And one of the, uh, um, I don't know who said this. I don't know if it's actually a saying or not. But it's like when you're when you're um, when you're doing a presentation, when you're doing a talk. Don't use that time to sort out your own mm-hmm. your own stuff. It's like you know, which we do. Yeah, that's this what is eighty eight episodes of, of right. us sorting out our own stuff or and, and publishing it to for free. Um, but there certainly have been a couple of realizations I think that I've made during the offering of it, right? And the primary one I think was this is a communication workshop more than mm-hmm. anything else, right? And it's like I I think I only figured that out after five minutes of sitting in the in the chair at the front of the room and it's like, Oh, this is a communication workshop. I get it. I get Mm -hmm. it. I get it. And I just mentioned that during the workshop, like I knew that that was all along, but I had, when I said that I had known that for all of about five seconds, Mm -hmm. but you know, I get to to get to the question though. It's like, what is the thing that tells you that is the right thing to do? I was like, I don't know, but man, time sure goes fast when we're doing it. Mm -hmm. People showed up for it and uh, we got some good feedback and I don't know. I mean, there's, there's nothing really that's not, clicking on it that that tells me that it's not the right thing for you and I to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. It's you know, a, so it's like, I don't, I don't know if it's the right thing to do right now, but I think it's the right thing for, for me to do right now. Mm-hmm. And you're, I would love it if you would join me, Sherry. To, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I think the first workshops of these that we did were very surprising to me because I think a lot of, it was the place where we saw a lot of work come together Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it was when you said this is basically a communication workshop, like I was like, oh, yes, I suppose it is. Um, and isn't everything in yeah, some ways. Right. right? And right. I think that that's been a big thing for me as I'm starting to continue to dip my toes into nonviolent communication. It, the more you realize like, like that's all, like we're all just trying to go about getting our needs met and then. How do we communicate that to ourselves and to others? That's really this game, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, the other thing I've been thinking, it's funny that you're like, this is a communication workshop. The other thing I've been spending a lot of time thinking about um, kind of goes back to like day one of our conversations and the idea of cycles. Because I've been thinking about why this time of year is so hard. This is the long. I, I would. I shouldn't say long lost. It's the unrecorded conversation that we should have recorded but didn't. Yes, because right? <laughs> we didn't know then that this would happen. Right. Right. But it's the conversation that got it all started. So October is such a terrible time in the academic calendar, mm-hmm. and I've been thinking more and more about why, and I think that it is because we're trying to do something that is counter to our biology. So I just mm-hmm. think it's funny that you're like, this is about communication. And then I'm like, what we're doing here in October is counter to our biology. So we're both like, 
I think we've spent a lot of time together because all of a sudden I'm talking about biology and you're yeah, talking maybe. about communication. communication. The world is telling us, like the seasons are turning uh, for those of us that are in, you know, this hemisphere. Yeah, the temperate regions. Of right? The- um, so the, as the trees are turning colors, like the days are getting shorter, right? And so I keep having these conversations with my students where I ask them, what do you most need right now? And they are feeling the sense that time is slipping away from them. They feel like um, this past week I had a student say, I just need another day in the week. And another student Mm. said, I just need a couple more hours. And if you think about what's happening in the world um, or, you know, from where we stand on the planet, Mm -hmm. it makes sense. You do need more hours, right? Because you wake up when it's dark and you go to bed, you know, well after it. Well after. Yeah, well after. Right? Um, And so if that is true, um, you know, everything, I keep telling students, like, everything is telling us to slow down. Like, we're basically just big, you know, tiny little bears, right? Mm -hmm. Being told, like, slow down, hibernate. And yet the academic calendar, the capitalist calendar, (laughs) says do more. Do more, yeah. Climb higher. Um, And those two things don't go together. Yeah, well, we're we're sort of in the we're a little past halfway done with mm-hmm. the academic semester, and it's like, I know it's a long semester. Gut it out, you know, grit it out, keep going, just grind through. I mean, those are the messages that are so often sent um, to everyone, really, in academia yeah. in October. We know how this semester is pretty much going to go at this point. <laughs> we know how this is going to end uh, with you know all kinds of all kinds of. You know, the, the students who are getting really great high scores and doing fantastic are not going to stop doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we have a pretty good sense of how all of this is sort of going. And we still have like six or seven weeks left of it. And it's not like we don't have content, but it's like, oh, it just keeps going. You know, it keeps going. And yeah, yeah. And, and you're right, though, right? That in contrast with what the, what the seasons are doing is, is a little bit of a, a juxtaposition that's mm-hmm. challenging. Yeah. Um, And the opposite happens within the spring semester, right? right? So when when we're starting to run out of steam because the work is getting hard, the seasons change to help us out. And like we really do get pushed. Like it's like you can spring into the like the nicer weather and just the opposite is happening right now. And so that maybe always seems true, but doing it in these times with the pandemic, with mm-hmm. so many challenges, yeah, it just feels, the volume feels really turned up. Yeah, maybe this back to in-person thing might have been postponed until January. So at least, <laughs> you know, we're not, okay, everybody's back on campus and do that for 15 weeks while it gets cold and dark outside, you know, increasingly. Yeah, I don't know if that factored into the math mm-hmm. uh, at all and when the best time to do this would be. Well, because we don't always allow ourselves space to be human in within the span of a not just an academic year, a calendar. Yeah, year. I was thinking like period. Yeah, full stop. Right. Right. Yeah. That essentially gets to to what these workshops were about, mm-hmm. and an opportunity it was that our institution financially supported. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was I was. A, Incredibly encouraged. Yeah. About that, you know, that, you know, there are some folks in, in this culture in which we live in, in higher ed who do see this as a viable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that uh, they would like to support. And may that continue. Because yeah. I think it is sorely needed. Absolutely. I think it's sorely needed. Yeah. I so, I mean, and, you know, people had said all kinds of interesting things about it as well in the, you know, after the workshops that it's it's really hard to do this at home. Mm. It's really, really hard to do the work of communication, nonviolent communication, mindfulness uh, at, at home because you have a life at home. You have kids. You, there's dinner to cook. There's laundry to do. There's Netflix to watch. There's, you know, family bonding over Netflix. To, you know, mm-hmm. I say Netflix to watch, but it's like that's, you know, that's, that's what we do, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of folks in there. In our, in our society as part of family bonding time, you know, fire up a movie on Disney Plus and, you know, you're you're doing family activities that are meaningful and wholesome. You might not like the movie, but the movie's not the point, you know, right. it's the activity of it. And, and that is meaningful. There's dinner to cook. There's, you, you, I mean, you could go on, go on and on and on and the day is over, mm-hmm. you know. So if, if, the, if, if a lot of what this is, this story, you know, stress, the anxiety, the burnout, the exhaustion that people are feeling, right? Um, is it not incumbent on the employer to offer those solutions, you know, where they are, right, at the source? Mm-hmm. So it's not like go to work or get burnt out, go home and, you know, well, this is this is one of my, my strong oppositions to um, sort of entrepreneurial and institutional quote unquote self care. Mm-hmm. It's like you're going to come to work and it's going to be really hard and it's going to burn you out and it's going to be really impossible to do and you're going to get really stressed out and it's going to cut into all aspects of your life. Um, and so on your day off, go do something about it. You know, so it's like, are you are you supposed to spend your day off in recovery from mm-hmm. your work? It's like, no, 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 no. As I, I also think commute time should be built into your, <laughs> you know, to your to your allotted hours that you are to work. Because it's like, if it was not for that employer, you would not be sitting in traffic right now, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's like if the if the source of a lot of the angst is teaching noble profession, happy to do it, love your job, it's still really hard, mm-hmm. you know, during a pandemic, you know, holding space for kids. And if, if that is the source of where this tension and this burnout is, I think it's, I think, like I said, it's, you know, it's, it's in the purview of your, of your institution to address it where it is, mm-hmm. which is in the institution, which is why I was thrilled that we offer these on campus mm-hmm. and uh, with the support, financial support of our divisions. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this kind of work, like <clears throat> if we're really doing something that's different than just self-care, which like I was about to say, I'm not, I don't want to hate on self-care. Yeah, it's like but I, I love I, a good smoothie. You know? Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's... um. It's, it's, it's more than that. It's like, um, at this point, like the idea of like mindful resilience to me is not just, it's not self-care. It is, um, it is the toolkit for sustainable practice. Right. 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 And so I think like, yeah, like institutions, society systems need to understand that if you want people to sustain you need to provide support for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and support doesn't just mean s- things to prop people up so they can keep working. And like, right. as soon as I said that, um, all that came to my mind is like the movie Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. 
right? Like yeah, this dude totally. is this dude is dead, but they're propping him up and they're carrying him about. And I think how often does it feel like that gets to the point where you see people who are going about their lives and we're recording this just a couple days before Halloween so mm-hmm. it feels appropriate and they are the walking dead yeah right right like right they're dead and from the time they get up in the morning until the time they go to bed they are convinced that they are having a terrible day and they look for the right. evidence to support that and they find it because they're not given space to find another way of being in the world right Right. So I think that things like this offer a different way of being. But like you can introduce people to principles. But then like, you know, in a workshop like ours, you know, you we can introduce meditation. We can Mm -hmm. introduce, you know, ways of assessing one's own need. Um, But after you do that, like you walk outside of the workshop and like, what is what does tomorrow look like? Mm -hmm. What does the commute home look like? Mm Um, and I think that's where the real work. Yeah, it is, right? Um, it's glorious to have a, a space where this work can happen. Mm-hmm. But life happens outside mm-hmm. <laughs> of the space, you know? Uh, spaces as refuges, spaces of, you know, safe spaces, however you want to sort of think of it. That's what I love about the space that we're using. It's like this space, we put a lot of time and energy into making this space one where this work can happen. Mm-hmm. And the room feels great. You know, it it's like it's got a fantastic energy, um, very super welcoming. Um, there are plants that we put out on the tables, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is is always kind of nice um, to do. I mean, they're made out of plastic, they're made but out of they're plastic, here. But you know, the ones last week were actual, you know, actual They were flowers. foliage, yeah. yeah. Foliage, actual carbon-based foliage. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, it's, if you can, if you can do work at home, you can do addressing the consequences of, of your job at work, right? I, I think of these workshops, I mean, this is professional development, you know, this Mm -hmm. is how do I, how do I, you know, there, there's no aspect of one's life. I think that these practices that we talk about in this, in these workshops would, there's no way that they're not going to be of service in all aspects of, of someone's life, but a practice that they are, you know, we keep using the word, these practices and. That's, I mean, they don't just happen by themselves. No. They're a skill set. They're an actual skill set that um, with opportunities to practice them can be improved upon. Mm-hmm. It's like anything else. It, it's not one of these activities where you, you sort of read the book and all of a sudden you're good at it. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's very counter to um, a lot of the academic expectation where it's like everything is all kind of brain, 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 think, 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 write, 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 think, 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 brain, 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 you know, read, 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 type, 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 you know, all all of this, you know, kind of classic academic looking looking stuff, which is great. What are the opportunities that we have to practice mindfulness? What are the mm-hmm. opportunities that we have to practice communicating? Um, what is the pra- what, what does the practice look like? of becoming more proficient at establishing boundaries and saying no. Mm-hmm. Um, what does the practice look like for checking in with oneself for five or ten minutes and seeing what you're feeling right now and, and what you might want to do about it? Right. Or how do I, you know, practice? How do I find practice opportunities on having these really difficult conversations with people whose needs are not being met when my own are not being met either? Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, it's like, we have a lovely bookshelf in here that has some awesome books on it that are fantastic. 
And that's a great place to start, right? And that provides a, a theoretical base for these things. But ultimately, the work needs to get done. And, and the work is, how do I actually practice this? Right. And this is why I was like, I'm, I'm a scientist through and through. I'm a biology teacher through and through. There's lecture and there's lab. Mm-hmm. You know, we, talk, we, we think about stuff in, in lecture and in lab. You know, we, we do science with our hands. So how do we do nonviolent communication when somebody is sitting in front of us? How do we do mindfulness? No, let's actually do it. We're not just going to talk about it. Let's actually do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in mindfulness seminars before and mindfulness workshops where the only thing that they really didn't do uh, was was meditate. It's like we talked about it a lot. We mm-hmm. had great conversations, but we didn't actually like, you know, do the thing. It's like, I'm really hungry. So let's go talk about pasta. I mean, ultimately, you got to boil some water, you know, so... Um, these things are skills. Yeah. These things are skills. And that's what makes them workshops and not seminars. Right. Right. Yeah. It's the work that's involved. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and I think, um, you know, it's kind of interesting to think about um, just the way that, like, the practice, the practice is often the point, but it's not the immediate result. Right. Right. And so there's, there's so many things in life where you go to a workshop on mindfulness and do you go into it with the idea that when you walk out, you're going to be prepared to say, well, did it work? Are you <laughs> mindful now? And and that, I think, is one of the biggest things that I've been thinking about. As we offer this workshop, we give people a buffet of tools. But then when they walk out the door, what I'm left sitting with is, well, did it work? Yeah, right. Um, right. But then I think about my own practice and like every time I get off the cushion, I have no idea because so much of the work is invisible, like mm-hmm. what is actually happening um, because it's it's doing nothing, but doing nothing is transformative. Yeah. Right. right. Um, yeah, and right. so I think that that's like, you know, we know that that happens in other ways. Like we know you know, you take a medication and you you don't follow it down your esophagus, but you assume that it's going to go yeah, do its right. job because you feel the results later on. And I think a lot of mindfulness practice, like you have to just keep the practice until one day you wake up and realize things have changed. Something's happened. Yeah, something's yeah. happening. And yeah. I ran into a colleague I hadn't seen in a couple of years today. And he asked um, how I was doing. And I said that I was great. And he like kind of chuckled and then he was like, wait, you're serious. Um, and it was kind of hilarious to me because yes, like I am serious. And I know, um, I know there's a whole lot that makes that unlikely, but Ooh. I also know that I've done a whole lot that has made it reality. But then trying to explain how do you get from point A to point B is really tricky because you sound, I mean, I feel like I sound ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, sometimes I sit on cushions and do nothing. Yeah. And it changed my life. Yeah. It it doesn't sound like uh, a prescription that would address the, the illness, right? It's like, I look the same that I did. What's the difference now? It's like I, I sat on a cushion. For <laughs> more than more than once, but I mean the the more than once thing is is important because it's like I went to the gym. Why am I not ripped? You know, it's <laughs> right, like well, right. I got to go more than once. You know, it, we we start with baby steps. You know, a little bit of training and conditioning is a good thing. And you know, with with what the cushion does and and on the time scales that the cushion does it, 
you really don't have to worry about it. I mean, the cushion does the work and all you have to, have to do is kind of show up for it, mm-hmm. which is really, really hard to do, you know, so I don't want to give the impression that this is like, well, I guess I'll start meditating now when you sit down. I mean, a lot of people, you know, adopt the practice as part of resilience, right? They've mm-hmm. hit the bottom and now they want to say, okay, enough of this. How do I want to, how do, what, what changes do I want to make on the other side Yeah. Um, after, after the bottom has sort of been hit? But yeah, it's almost indistinguishable. It's, a no, it's like a lot of times the changes are not even ones that we notice ourselves. They're pointed out to us by others that hey, something's, something's different with you. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you do? Is it your hair? Did you get a new pair of pants? You know, or something. It's like, no, I've been on a cushion for a year and a half. You know, I, I have some new practices that might help me out. That might help you out too. What do you say? One of the things that I've noticed though, and we've had this conversation before amongst ourselves with other workshops that we've offered, mm-hmm. is that... Uh, I, I have this really strong urge just to download everything into people within the span of two hours, and it's just way too much, you know? <laughs> so it's like how I, – I still struggle with this, mm-hmm. you know, not struggle, oh, my God, it's so hard and so bad, but it's like I'm, I, I still like feel like I'm not quite dialed in. What is the right amount, and what do people need at the time when they walk in the door – um, without rushing, with giving people time to digest, and we've but we've like I said we've talked about this many times, and I'm yeah. not sure if we I'm not sure if I know the answer to that yet. I don't know if you do or not either, but it's hard. But you know, because it's like what what we learn more than anything from this two hour workshop is that it's probably going to be two and a half hours, mm-hmm. if not three. The other one we did, the student one, was an hour and a half. It's like, well, that could be an easy two, easy two and a half, or yeah. cut something. But it's like I don't want to cut something because it's all great stuff, right. But it's just too much, you know? It's it's just too much for an hour and a half. And- yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, one thing I'll say is I think from doing these workshops, we're learning to pay attention even to our workshops, right? Yeah, like, right, pay right, attention, right, right, right. Um, it's I, workshops all the way down. Yeah, exactly. Like the turtles uh, or whatever. I think we've realized that our workshop is a retreat. Yeah, right. So that's interesting right, to right, know. Right. You know, it's, it's good to know. But I also know one of the things um, – you know, we talk a lot within meditation work about beginning again. Mm-hmm. And when I approach mm-hmm. my classroom, I think a lot about the beginner mind. And I think a lot about what did it look like to be a first-year writing student, right? I think doing these workshops reminds me of how I came to meditation and where I was when I did And I did not come to meditation to change my life. I came to meditation because there was one part of my life that like felt completely unsustainable. And like, I started meditating because I was an insomniac. Like I couldn't sleep. Right. Like I was looking for a sleeping pill. Mm. Um, And what I got was sort of the opposite. Yeah. But listeners want to know. Are you sleeping okay? Oh, yeah. I sleep okay, great. Okay, great, 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 great. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners or I want to know. Yeah, no. Sleep- yeah. I mean, I sleep fantastic. So, I mean, I guess in the end, yeah, it worked, right? Like, I'm not an insomniac anymore. Right, yeah. Um, But, like, it's so weird because I feel like I started this because I wanted to go to sleep. And I feel like I have awoken. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm-hmm. Right? How good is that? That's yeah. great. Yeah, that's great. Um, that tracks with the brand. Right, yeah. yeah, so yeah. It's, like- <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. it's like they're onto something. Um, but yeah, so I think about one of the questions we've asked participants this week is like, what was it about this workshop that when you heard about it, it made it feel like 
this was the thing for you, right? Yeah, right. And sometimes I think about that, even with the podcast, like how do we talk about what the work of this podcast is in a way that when people hear about it, they know this is something they want for themselves. And I know that there are people who are like Team Paul and Sherry who listen regularly. We love you dearly. And we love them dearly. Thank you for your support. But like sometimes I do wonder about like, like taking this podcast beyond us and that small community, like what is it that we do in the space of this that when someone hears about it would think, yes, this is something that I need? Oh, boy. Do I have to answer that now? Yeah, uh, uh, it's, it's super fair. <laughs> it's quarter to six on a Wednesday after yeah, right. Paul has yes. taught for three hours, led a workshop, yeah. and yeah. Uh, had a Coca-Cola. Had a Coca-Cola. And Let's, go. And go. Um yeah, that's a good question, you know, because, again, it's like, I look the same. I sound the same. You look the same. Your voice is like... I got a haircut, Paul. Some, Come different. on, you got to notice. Something's different, though. But, I mean, upon, you know, to I'll, I'll invoke some Theravada history here, you know, um, when when the Buddha arose, right, was Prince Adartha, now the enlightened one from the Bodhi tree the morning after, uh, the the big event of enlightenment. And somebody said, "Hey, you know, you look happy. What's going on?" He didn't say, "Oh, I'm in, I'm enlightened." He didn't say that. What he said was, "Oh, I'm awake. Mm-hmm. I'm awake. Who yeah. are you?" It's like I'm awake. This enlightenment notion sort of came came later, right? And it's like enlightenment is not the thing to chase. Awakening. Awakening is the thing to chase, and awakening is gradual, mm-hmm. and it happens in little incremental bits. And um, you can be awake and just like with life, and then you sort of fall back asleep a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, sometimes it's like, oh, I really, uh, no, I don't, you know? And so it's like, the thing to do with awakening is to investigate the awakening. It's like, huh, I guess I'm awake. <laughs> yeah. You know, pay attention to that too, because um, nothing lasts just like with that. And um, so it, it's like, so what, you know, without this, so what, this, what is the sales pitch for a meditation practice? Uh, you know, I, I think I think the Buddha tried to answer this as well. It's like, well, I don't know. It worked for me. Try it out. See if it works. See if it works for you. But it sure as heck did me some good. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, I think the the big thing is, you know, this is why they call it insight. You know, insight meditation. You know, it's like seeing things as they as they are, or at least as close to them as they can be seen. Mm-hmm. And what that requires is that you know see things as they are. That's not think about things until you feel like you get it. That's not you know you only feel good things and not bad things. Right. It's not that. Yeah. Right? That is you know only feeling the good, not feeling the bad. Thinking about stuff until everything sort of makes sense. That is interpreting things as they are not. Right. That is the easy thing for you. That is the easiest thing for you to do, and it will fail you. You know, sees things as they are. It's like, well, there's good and bad. There's pain and suffering, and and joy and glee and all of that. And there's, you know, all of this totality of this human experience. And I see it for what it is, which is fleeting, mm-hmm. fleeting. And I don't have to attach to it, nor do I have to run run from it. It'll come and it go as it does. And once that is sort of given over to, or attended to, or, you know. Um, once you sort of give yourself to that, it's like, well, then you can sort of take it where it, what it comes, you know, um, and you you end up with these things that come along with it, like 
resilience Mm -hmm. and grit and perseverance and joy and presence and attentiveness and focus, right? So all of these things that are sort of pitched as the benefits of meditation, they're not the thing to chase, right? right? They're the thing that comes along with what happens when you engage in the process where it's like, you don't have to work on focus. You don't have to work on attentiveness. You don't have to work on resilience. You don't have to work on grit. You don't have to work on perseverance. You don't have to work on being happy all the time. You don't have to work on, you know, being an active listener. You have to work on seeing things as they are, Mm -hmm. right? And, and attending to that and giving, giving ourselves over to the experience that we're having um, with as little resistance as possible. And um, when that, when that is happening, all this other stuff kind of shows mm-hmm. up too. <laughs> comes along. Come, comes along with it, you know? So it's like a Happy Meal. It's like, I thought it was getting a burger and fries, but there's a toy inside. And mm-hmm. that toy is, ooh, focus, you know? And then you get another Happy Meal. And it's like, I thought it was getting lunch. It's like, no. Yeah. You get you get loving kindness along with it. So um, all of these all of these practices come, comes with gifts. And sometimes those gifts are uh, fabulous and joyful and easy. And sometimes there's those gifts, much like a COVID booster shot, makes your arm hurt and you have a low fever for a couple of, a couple of days. And it's like, yeah, but it's still doing you good. It's doing the work. It, it's doing the work. Because yeah. that's, what, that's what you get as well. So um, far be it from me to ever possibly make the claim that every cushion experience is, a, is, a, is, is an easy one. Mm-hmm. It's not. Sometimes the body screams at me. Sometimes the mind just goes crazy. Sometimes uncomfortable things go through my field of emotional awareness but it's all paying attention to what is yeah. and i know it's it's going to the it's going to the mindful gymnasium mm-hmm. you know it's you know i'm going to do a little bit of a workout here and i'm just going to give myself a little pause and see what shows up and all this great stuff sort of comes from it yeah so it's it's curious i'm talking like way too much no you're not okay so <laughs> we just did we just did a whole workshop where we talked about um, not interrupting, fixing, or judging even ourselves. Even ourselves. So um, what is it that we're actually well, and this gets back to it, what is it that we're actually trying to promote in these workshops, right? Because at the end of the day, it's like just get on a cushion, you know. Yeah. <laughs> see I mean, what happens, see what happens, you know. But well, there, there's there's I think there's there's weeds to go through to get to that point. You know, there, there's there's things that need to be addressed now that are the consequences of trauma, difficulty, pain, suffering that have been people have gone through, if not for the last year and a half, for the entirety of their lives. Right. You know, that um, doesn't make the, the cushion such an easy, easy ask. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, life shows up with us onto the cushion. Um, it is interesting, though, because like while you were talking, I was thinking, you know, in some ways, the best advertisement I have for the cushion is like my current life now. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. so, so, but it's interesting because I feel like I'm a better endorsement for people who knew me before than I am people who met me mm-hmm. like within the last, you know, 15 weeks. And so I guess like part of what I'm thinking about now is that's why we keep doing the work, uh-huh. right? Because like right now I'm a good endorsement for those who have known me longer but I want to continue to be a good endorsement because like part of it is showing up, not showing up to the cushion because I'm like, Ooh, I can't wait for what it's going to do next. Um, What's going to happen. But it is kind of, but it is kind of that too. Like um, if it's made this much of a difference and if it's changed, you know, like a lot of my life was a struggle. Like I woke up 
every day planning to go back to sleep. Like yeah, right. in so many different versions of that word. Um, I spent a lot of weeks grinding through the day, waiting for five o'clock to come. Yeah, right. And what I keep right. noticing right now is that five o'clock keeps sneaking up on me. Um, and it's been work to get to that point. Yeah. But um, I think I think I'm spending a lot of time thinking about like what do you have to give up to get to yeah. that point where you can live. Yeah, that's it's. I find that it's more of that. Yes. Than the alternative. Um, with my own life, anyway, it's it's not what am I going to take on to have a better life. It's what am I going to let go of to have a better mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Um, and that is quite possibly one of the most counterintuitive messages that could be sent in our culture that you could ever possibly imagine. Yeah. Um, Because there's everybody out there will sell you a solution that's going to make your life better. Just buy a Peloton subscription and a $2,000 bike. Buy these nutritional supplements. Go ahead and pick up, you know, um, you know, upgrade the call map so you get, so, you know, it costs a little bit more and you get more stuff. Um, And I'm not saying there aren't things out there that you can buy that can make your life easier and helpful. I mean, there's plenty of tools out there and we do want to financially, you know, support people who are offering tools. Good work, yeah. Good work, for example, us. And we have this lovely <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> putting slight myself plug. in that, yeah, slight like yeah. plug, putting myself in that category as well. Um, uh, but, I mean, how many, you know, quick fix schemes have been sold through the, through the years, you know? Right. That, that's the basis of modern economy is – you know, this is your problem and this is what I'm going to sell you that you can, where you, how you can fix it. Well, yeah. And so I think part of the discernment practice is understanding that not everything is for you. Right. right not right. even things that are good. Right. Like. Yeah. Because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's plenty of services out there that do a lot of good for a lot of people, but they might just not be for you and so sometimes i think having like this most unbelievable life is as much about figuring out what is perfectly good but not for you yeah as it is finding what is for you yeah you know like um i recently uh as you well know um stepped away from a program that is Mm -hmm. beautiful Mm -hmm. and it's wonderful and like i love the work that's being done in that program and it's not for me. Right. And so both of those things can be true. Um, and so for me, one of the hardest things was realizing I love the work of this program, but I love my own self and my own life Yeah. enough to separate the two. Yeah. The work can be good and I can do something else. Yeah. And this something else may be glorious, mm-hmm. glorious and far more fitting um, to what you want to, what you want to do. And like I said, you know, sometimes that requires giving something up, Yep. you know, um, and it's not just to make time. No, it's to remove a sticky from the should for others category and put it in the, you know, want to do for myself brings joy. Exactly. Brings joy thing. And it turns out, you know, the more of those, have we ever talked about this, the sticky grid? Do we ever... I don't know I if might we be have. Talking, I, I might be thinking, talking about something that nobody has any idea what I'm talking w- about. Perhaps we should give the listeners of this fine podcast uh, a grid. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll post that up along yeah. with it. We'll so put a link sh- in the show notes Should I explain what this grid is? Yeah, do it. Yeah. Do it, do it, do it. Well, so this... It's this, your invention after all. Yes, and I feel like I should give partial credit to Mr. Eric Spiegel, my dear husband. So 
I don't know. Maybe we did talk about this. We might have mentioned it. We might have mentioned it. But I think it's a good tool. And I'm going to mention it again, even if we did already talk about it. Because it's a revision of the urgent, important chart that a lot of time management people have like promote and you're going to be explaining that too if you're not. yeah do you know that <laughs> i don't know that either okay, it was like, okay right. not helping not <laughs> helping it has gotten less clear sherry so when i was in graduate school i was introduced to this tool where it's like a two by two grid uh-huh. right um and so the idea is that on like one axis like is um you're looking at it's like a continuum of urgency uh-huh. and so you know, you have one box for not important or not urgent. The other box is for important. And then on the other axis going the other way, we're looking at um, importance. So it's importance versus urgency. Urgency. Okay. Right. Okay, okay. And so you take all your to-do list items and you put them in one of these four boxes, de- determining like for every item, is it urgent? Isn't important? Is it um, unimportant? Is it... Unurgent, Unurgent, right? right. And so the idea is that if you have stuff that is not important and not urgent, take it off your to-do list. Yeah, right. Right? But then if you have things that are urgent and important, you know. Maybe leave it on there, right? (laughs) Gets to going, right? But So it's it's a way of like triaging. And so I find it, when I was in graduate school, I found it helpful. Um, But over time, I have realized that I've been... I've, my mind is conditioned such that in, it's very easy for me to think everything is important mm-hmm. and everything is urgent. And so that scheme became unuseful to me. So I instead, like, I created all the sticky notes with my husband and we put them all up and we started trying to do urgent versus important. And I couldn't see anything I didn't already know. Yeah, right. So then we changed uh, the axes uh, that we were building my grid based on based on what was for me and what was for others what was i doing joyfully and what felt like a should mm-hmm. and when i laid all those sticky notes out um i found there was one thing gloriously in the joyfully for sherry category mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were a few things that were kind of teetering on the border of like things I do for Paul and Sherry. Right. right um, but right, right. that I couldn't claim were just fully Sherry things. Right. 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 Um, but then there were some surprising things in the should for others. And so I went on a little bit of a discernment journey with that. Mm-hmm. And I came to realize like there was something that I had chosen to go into because of how I saw myself about a year ago. That's mm-hmm. just not true of how I see myself anymore. Right. So it was time to let it go. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and thinking about those those workshops that we just that we just gave these last two weeks, it's like if I if I had to put those workshops on the the grid, I was like, I do them joyfully for myself. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm not doing it. I, I, I'm not. I, I was like, I'm not doing it for the faculty and staff of this college, but you know, I I they benefit. You know, the the joy, I, at least I hope they benefit or hope they enjoy it. Um, the uh, it It's like it, it from the outside, it looks like we're doing this thing because we should do it for somebody else because it's a kind thing to do. And it's like, make no mistake, this is the work of my life. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. I mean, this is what I really want to be doing. So it's like, do I feel like I should be doing it for for others? Yes. Am I doing it joyfully for myself? 
Yes. You know, it's like both sort of can mm-hmm. be true, you I, know. I think this um, comes back to the podcast. Yeah. This podcast is joyfully for us and we share it with others. And we share it with others. And yeah, that's that, that's sort of how it feels. Mm-hmm. And it's like any time. I mean, this is back in the good old days of uh, carefree summer for me, you know, as a kid, kind of, it, it's like those summers, they, on the one hand, they felt like they lasted forever. And on the other hand, it's like they just flew right by. And um, these sort of feel like the same way. You they know? do. That's it. Yeah. That's the feeling. Yeah, that's the feeling of it's it. It's the it's feeling like, of childhood summer. Is that the feeling of, how would you describe that? Freedom? Uh, awakened freedom? It's uh, ease. Ease. It's like uh, when when I feel so able... Ready, willing, joyful, free, unencumbered by an activity like the workshops that we just gave. It's like, of you, course I'll, of course I'll do it. Of course, you know. Yeah, you know what it I'm feels like to, to me it. is the last puzzle piece is what it feels like to mm-hmm. me. Like, do you know that feeling? Like when you put that last puzzle piece yeah. in, and like there's like a click. Yeah. Like, I always ah, do that one slowly, like boom. boom. Yeah. It's always yeah. somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you had to work really hard to get to that moment. But then when you get there, it's like, ah. Yeah. That's what these workshops feel like. Yeah, they, they really do. They really do. So um, I think the original question that was posed was, how do we know <laughs> what the thing to do is, you know, versus the thing that is is not like the actual thing to do, right? And I think the grid certainly... Certainly helps. We'll we'll post like a PDF and yeah. some basic instructions or something like that on there. I don't want to make it sound like too much work. <laughs> for us, oh, we're going to do all this stuff. Um, we'll post the grid, right? Yeah, and we'll and give you a graphic. Some easy to easy instructions. It's like the materials include the the PDF of the grid and like a pen and some sticky notes. <laughs> it's or like just, you can do it yourself. Or just a pen, just, yeah. Or just get a piece of paper and a pen, you know, and a pen, yeah. Um, and you don't have to print anything or anything like no. that, but you could if you wanted to. Um, how do we, like I said, it's like, do I have to actually answer that question? It's like, I think we, every every day in our lives is a, is a data point on that. It's like, mm-hmm. what did we do and how did it fall? And um, if I, if I, this thing didn't go great today, if I iterate that and make a tweak and see how it goes again, if I offer the same thing again, does it go any better? Or is it really just time to say, okay, maybe this isn't the thing to do. And it's really hard to let go of things that you feel like you should be doing, especially when it's things you should be doing for others. Because yeah. if others need it, then clearly it must be important. So, it, you know, and I know about it, so it must might be my responsibility to do. None of that is true. Mm-mm. None of that is true. So there are these things out here that are of good service, I think, to people and fills many needs in our society and in our culture and they are still joyful mm-hmm. and they are still, you know, the, the calling of one's life. And how do you find what those things are? Um, sp- you spend your time on the cushion and you spend your time outside and in, in doing, in, in doing work. I mean, so the only way I've ever been able to find is a reliable thing to uncover that is by trying some stuff out and seeing how it goes. Mm-hmm. And how did that feel? Did it feel right? Did it feel good? Um, what would it feel like if I dropped this or do I want to give this one another shot or, you know, right. So that, that little investigation sort of helps. And the thing that helps with that investigation 
to complete the circles, nonviolent communication, rain mm-hmm. as a process, and you know, check in with myself. What am I feeling right now? And what is this experience? What what is it asking of me? Yeah. And is this my work to do? Yeah. And like that last question, like that's the one I feel like I'm most camping out with right now. Is mm-hmm. like, what is my work to do? And how how do I listen to myself once I have glimmers of the answer to that question? Yeah. Because you know, people are going to say, oh, but you were so good at that. You're not doing that anymore. And, oh, huh, you're doing this now. Interesting. So it's it's always – it invites questions. <laughs> when when pivots happen, it's like, ooh, what happened? You know, are yeah. you okay? What are you doing? Oh, you're doing this now? That's curious. Yeah. It's interesting how it's perceived. It is. And I don't know. I don't have any suggestions about that. It's like, yep, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. This is what we're doing. So – Oh, we're doing this now. Yeah, we're doing this now. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Oh, well, it was lovely recording a podcast with you. It was Paul. lovely recording a podcast with you, and it was lovely to offer those workshops. And we got a few more lined up for mm-hmm. some of our faculty and staff here. Yeah. Got a couple of Timo things cooking. 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 Not not baked. The oven is warming up. Let me say that. The oven's warming up. We are preheating the oven. We are preheating the oven and we're taking stock of ingredients. Yes. Yes. We, uh, we've we had – it's interesting. I feel like we've tried a, different, a few different things out and I think we're getting a clearer picture of what we can best offer in a sustainable way. Um, so maybe our November newsletter will have more on that. Ooh. Um, if I wanted to get that newsletter, how would I actually? You know, if you go to our fine website, there's this really obnoxious pop-up that will jump up and ah. say, hey, join our newsletter. Um, I'll go check that out. You should. I'll go ch- <laughs> I have a feeling, though, you might be on the list. I might be in the, uh, you know, I, I might be. You yeah. might be creating, creating the list. Creating the list, yeah. Yeah. Right, so, right, right. Cool. yeah, so the newsletter goes out every month. It's usually... Um, we we thought we got the, the the last one out a little bit later than we usually do. We did not. It like it goes out like in the middle of the month. Yeah. We thought it was the beginning, but that tends to be kind of around the middle. Um, so uh, the November one, I guess we'll start putting our minds around that a little bit. A couple of weeks that'll pop out. Yes. From the time of recording this, I will say right. right? But uh, it would not have come out by the time this posts. Nope. Um, so if you're interested in the newsletter and the cool tidbits that we house in there. And the new you know, updates, and, yeah. Uh, Check it out. For that. And free, of course. Free, of course. Of course. Um, yeah. And usually there's a a monthly meditation with Paul in those. There is. There That's is. That's the only way to get those monthly meditations yep. is to subscribe. Yep. So cool. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Have a wonderful afternoon. I guess it's evening by now. Have I know. A, the sun has set sun has on this set. day. Yeah. Um, may it rise again tomorrow. I suspect it will. I think it will. Have a lovely day, Sherry. You too. See you, everybody. Bye. Bye. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast, yes. Yes.